here in 1 Samuel in chapter number 4 in your Bible and verse number 10 and then we'll jump over to chapter 7 and read one verse and we'll spend most of our time in chapter 7. The Bible says, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. Would you look in chapter 7, and just hold your place there. Chapter number 7, and verse number 11. You ever heard of 7-11? Well, that's where we're going. Chapter 7, and verse number 11. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah, and pursued the Philistines, and smote them, until they came under... Beth Carr, let us pray. Father, it is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I've been blessed by all this good singing. The home folks singing has blessed my heart tonight. I appreciate the special singing, Lord, from Antioch tonight, how that has blessed us. And Lord, further stamped on this meeting, teamwork working together, and then Antioch moving their service over tonight. I know that is a big deal, and I thank you for them and the leadership of their pastor. Now, Lord, here for a few minutes, we sure do need some help. Lord, you've helped us every service, and Lord, without you tonight, we can do nothing. I pray you'll pull everybody's attention, Lord, tonight, where you want it to be, And Lord, all that's accomplished will thank you and praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Last night, I tried to use the Bible and paint you one of the bleakest pictures of defeat that I've ever saw in all my days. In chapter number 4 of 1 Samuel, the Philistines are whipping God's people. And it's not just a minor conflict. In chapter number 4, we learned last night that 4,000 men were, were slaughtered in the first effort of the Philistines. Then we learned shortly after, there were 30,000 more that were slain in the second stage of the conflict. We learned last night that the preacher's sons, the priest's boys, Hophni and Phinehas, they were slain. Eli the priest, when he heard all that was going on, he fell backwards, broke his neck and died. Now the priest is dead. He's got a daughter-in-law that's going into childbirth. And the Bible says she died, giving birth to her son, Ichabod, which means the glory is departing. Now folks, you're going to have to say, this is a pretty bleak scene. All those funerals, all those dead bodies, and all that defeat among the people of God. It's clear, I read it to you in verse number 10, that God's people 
are on the run. God's people are running from the enemy. They're whipped, they're defeated, they're down, they're out, they're beat up, they're beat down, and they're running from the enemy. But something really great happens in chapter number 7, and I can't wait to get out of that gloom, doom, and despair and get you over to chapter number 7, and I'll read verse number 11 again. The Bible says, And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. In chapter 4, God's people are running from the Philistines. But in chapter 7, God's people are running after the Philistines. I believe God's people have said, just like some said right here last night, I'm done being chased by the enemy. I am done being beat up by the enemy. I am done being beat down by the enemy. It's time I change directions and quit running from them and start running after them. How in the world could such a thing happen? That's what I'm trying to preach on tonight. On the thought, putting the enemy on the run. Putting the enemy on the run. I just like how that sounds, don't y'all? I tell you, we're outnumbered in this world. There's not nearly as many of us as there is of them. But aren't you glad tonight that greater is He that's in us than he that's in the world? Are you glad tonight to have the Lord on your side and you don't have to be afraid of what man can do unto you when the Lord is on your side? I'm glad tonight to know my Redeemer liveth. I'm just one little fella in a big old world of 8 billion people and most of that 8 billion don't know nothing about God. We might be in a small minority but aren't you glad with God all things are possible and if God be for us I said if God be for us then tell me who can be against us. I showed you last night verse number 2 in chapter 7 if you have your Bible. 20 years, things got long. Things got old. Things got tiring. Some of you tonight, your battle has got long. Your battle has gotten old. Your battle is wearing you out. Your battle is beating you down. But look in verse number 2. The Bible says, And it came to pass... While the ark abode in Kerjeth Jerem, that the time was long. Do you see it? The time was long, for it was twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. We learned last night, Brother Eddie, the first step in putting the enemy on the run is people lamenting after God. 20 years went by 
and it finally dawned on them, we've been calling out to the wrong people. We've been calling out to the wrong person. We've been depending on each other when we should be depending on God. Me and Pastor stood right here last night during the invitation from this side of the altar. I heard a lamentable cry. From that side of the altar, I heard a lamentable cry. You say, preacher, what is it? It's when we cry from depth. When we cry from our soul. When we cry with passion. When we cry with emotion. And friends, if we're going to see this turned around, we've got to get that cry back deep in our soul, crying out to God. He said in Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me. That's who we need to call on. Call your senators, not going to help you much. Calling your congressman's not going to, and he's not going to pay attention. But I got somebody that's higher than Joe Biden. I got somebody that's greater than senators and governors and congressmen tonight. We need to call on God. Call unto me, God said, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You're going to have to say this is some great and mighty things when God's people have been chased by the enemy and now God's people are chasing that same enemy. That's how it begins. Brother H.C. with people lamenting after God. I know it got a little tight last night. But I'm going to tell you that's the kind of preaching that's going to turn the tide. And that brings me to point number two. And I'm just reading you the Bible. There was not only people lamenting in verse number two, but in verse three and four, there was a preacher preaching. In verse three, do you see it? And Samuel. There's our preacher, Samuel, spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods, Ashtaroth and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you. Look at this. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Boy, that's making me get excited. This defeated bunch has got some hope tonight. I'm glad, thank God, for the preaching of God's Word that gives us ears to hear there's hope, gives us eyes to see there's hope, gives us faith to believe that there is hope. Can I tell you something, churches, tonight? There is hope. I said there is hope. And thank God, He can overcome the enemy. Now look with me in verse number 4. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. You're never going to put the enemy on the run until you serve the Lord only. He's got to be king. He's got to be number one. 
He's got to be supreme. He must be magnified. He must be glorified. We need to submit tonight to the Almighty of Heaven, Jehovah God. Do you want to put the enemy on the run? We're going to have to go with God 100%. Goodbye world, goodbye. Goodbye flesh, goodbye. Goodbye devil, goodbye. Let's go with God. I believe there's some folks here tonight that says I'm done being chased by the devil. I'm going to turn this around and put the enemy on the run. Back in verse number 3, God said, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, why are they in the mess they're in anyway? How do you get in such a mess? Because their hearts were not turned toward God. Their hearts were towards other things. And we see that clearly in the Scripture. But God said through the preacher, if you'll turn your heart to God, wholly to God, a hundred percent to God. I wonder tonight if I were to go around the room with a microphone and a lie detector's test and ask everybody in this room who's number one in your life. It ought to be without question God. God must be supreme. God must be number one. My old dad in heaven, I can't hardly preach a sermon without him and mama in my preaching. But my dad's life verse, a very uneducated man, he may have had third grade education. His life verse, he was a spirit-filled deacon, a powerful man of God. His life verse, Brother Eddie, Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness in all these things shall be added unto you. What's wrong with us? We're after all these things. We need to quit looking for all these things. Get our eyes on Jesus. Let this world become strangely dim. As Reed sang tonight, I can't even walk without Him holding my hand. I'll be defeated. I'll be ran over. I'll be cast out. But if I got the hand of the Almighty, I can press on in difficult days. I can press on in days of trial. Aren't you glad that we have the opportunity to seek first the kingdom of God? But seek you first, my old dad would say, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And Jake, all these things shall be added unto you. If you get your eyes off of all these things, you might be amazed at all the things that He'll give you if you'll just put Him first. That's right. God's blessed me and my little wife. We're not wealthy people. We're just common people. But there's things we possess tonight that we didn't think we would ever have because we put the Lord first. And sometimes putting the Lord first 
tightens up on your purse string. Sometimes putting the Lord first in tithes and offerings and giving to God tightens up in your finances. But you put God first. God's not going to be in debt to you. God's not going to be in debt to me. And how many of you know you cannot outgive the Lord? And God loves a cheerful giver. Bless His holy and righteous name. I wasn't going to tell this little story, but somebody needs to hear it. When I was bad off sick, several people in this building helped me and Juanita financially, and you know who you are. But there was a man from another state who's a good friend of ours, who is not a preacher, a solid layman, a good faithful man in his church. And he is a master plumber. And he makes really good money. He's like a plumbing expert. He don't plumb kitchens in houses. He plumbs motels, hospitals, military. That's the kind of stuff he does. Well, he called my wife and said, Juanita, I just got a raise. I got a raise on my job of $100 a week. And he said, as long as Don is down... I'll be sending him that $100 raise. Now, I don't know about y'all, a $100 raise is a lot. Amen. And then turn around and give it away. Well, he gave us that raise. Juanita says it was over six or seven months that he gave us a hundred dollars a week. Well, I know the devil no doubt worried him about that, but he just kept on doing what he said he would do. Well, when he saw I was getting back on my feet, he called to be sure we were going to be okay. And Juanita said, yes, we'll be okay. And he said, well, I want to help you as long as you really needed it. Well, he said, no sooner than that, he went back to his job, and guess what? He got another $100 raise for every week. He gave away six months or so of $100 a week. Now God doesn't give him another $100 a week. That's 200 the way I'm counting. Say amen. I remember days I didn't make 200 a week. And this guy here's got a $200 raise. He said, preacher, that's not the end of this story. When we came to the end of the year, our contractors and all of our workers had such success that I got an unexpected bonus. Now look, friend, he's done got $200 a week raise. And now he's got a $10,000 bonus that he did not know was coming. You can laugh at God all you want to. You can make a fun of all you want to. But God bless that man. Nobody knows him but God Almighty. And nobody knows he did that but God and God looked down and said you help my little preacher boy when he was in intensive care I'm going to give you another raise you're not going to outgive me and in a few months later 10,000 bucks dropped in his pocket because of giving now, if you get nervous about giving you just about need a nerve pill about now You can't preach this Bible 
without preaching about giving. You're going to leave out a whole lot of the Bible if you try to preach without preaching about giving. I was just a kid preacher starting out, pastoring my first church, and, and I remember, man, I thought I could answer all the problems in religion. You know, back in them days when you knew everything. I know Jimmy Vaughn's never felt like that, but boy, I did. I could answer any question, but I found out real quickly I wasn't near as smart as I thought I was. If I was as smart now as I thought I was then, I'd be in good shape. But I'm not as smart now as I thought I was then. And I preached one Sunday morning. I'm a new pastor. Man, I was a preaching. I said a little something about giving. One of the old members met me at the back. One of the older men. And he gave me one of them long handshakes. Didn't have no green in it either. And he wasn't smiling either. He said, young man, if you go home and study your Bible, you'll find there's more in the Bible to preach about than to preach about giving all the time. Buddy, you talking about letting the air out of me. I thought, man, I barely mentioned it. What if I really preached on it? And I respected his years and old age and said, sir, I promise you, I'll leave this church and I'll study more and I'll work harder to bring a more biblical message. Well, I went home, got out my Strong's Concordance and I didn't know where to start and I had giving on my mind and I thought, well, just for curiosity's sake, let's see how far out in left field my preaching is. So I looked up the word give, read, and I found the word give. I counted 1,399, 1,400, 1,499, 1,500. I quit. I gave up. I said, I'm not counting no more. The Bible I had at that time, I flipped to the back page, and my Bible had 1,400 pages. I said, well, I don't know much, but if it's in the Bible 1,500 times in 1,400 pages, it's averaging over once per page. And you know what I said? I can't wait to get back to church Sunday and tell them I've been studying the Bible more and I found giving averaging over once per page. Can someone say amen? If you're battling with giving, don't let this offend you. Let it encourage you. Turn to the Lord with all your heart. There's a preacher preaching. I'm really trying to get to verse number 4, the Bible said, Then the children of Israel did put away, notice, Balaam and Ashtaroth. God named the false gods that they put away from them. Can I help you just a few minutes about these two false gods? Because if we're going to put the enemy on the run... We're going to have to get rid of these same false gods. Balaam there, he's the God of fertility. The God of sexuality. The God of sensuality. The God of fornication and adultery. 
And you see, friends, see how quiet it got just me saying that? You see, we are in a sexual day like never before. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, it's sensual, it's sexual, it's alluring, it's provocative. And if we're going to get the enemy on the run, we're going to have to put Balaam out and say we're not going to be controlled by sexuality. We're not going to be controlled by fornication. We're not going to be controlled by adultery. We're not going to be controlled by pornography. We're not going to be controlled by the sexual culture that we're living in. Say amen right there. I was just flipping in my Bible. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 27. He said, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, Now pastor wants to raise the bar. Well, the Old Testament bar was right here. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus raised the bar. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. I can hear echoes in here tonight. I'm going to tell you something, ladies. Don't you dress your body seductively. Don't you dress yourself provocatively. Dress yourself as a holy Christian and modest before God Almighty. You see, men lust after you when you show your nakedness and you show your figure. I say, that's good preaching if I am doing it. This stuff has got to be put away. Amen. So, preach, I don't like you. I can't help. There's a whole lot more people don't like me. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. Amen. That's exactly right. You ever been to church, felt like you went to Kentucky Fried Chicken? All you could see was breast, legs, and thighs. Say amen. Whoop, hallelujah. That's making some of y'all nervous. Come on now. It's preaching time. Amen. Listen, this is not a burlesque show. This is not a strip joint. There aren't no poles to dance around. Say amen, folks. It's time God's people got back to being modest. Amen. Oh, I'm getting in the hole. I might as well dig on in. But you know, a man, it's a proven fact that a man is excited and ignited by 80% of what he gets from a woman through the eye gate. Did you hear me? Through the eye gate. Job said... He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I think upon a maid? Now, I know it's going to get quiet, but we can get quiet all day long. Some of you men need to make a covenant with your eyes and get your eyes off the opposite sex. Get your eyes back on your own wife, sir, not somebody else's wife. Say amen right there. It's preaching time. Amen. And I'm going to tell you women something. Tell you men something about women. Did you know women 
get 80% of their ignition and their passion when it comes to a man, not through the eye gate, but through the ear gate. You ever heard of a smooth talking Romeo? Have you ever heard of them sweet nothings? I had some teenage girls when I pastored that said, Preacher, you preach about sweet nothings. What is that? I said, they're nothing. That's what they are. They're nothing. You see, women, according to science, are ignited more by what they hear. Have you ever saw this real beautiful woman? And she's married to a man who's as ugly as a mud fence. And you think, how did such a pretty lady end up with such an ugly man? Don't you love Bible preaching? Say amen. Hallelujah. You know how he got her? Them smooth nothings. Those slick words and all that. That's how it happens. And we need to realize these things as God's people. And us men need to be careful with our speech. And you ladies need to be careful with your appearance. We could cut down a whole lot of this sexual culture if people would just be respectful and be what God said they ought to be. I'm trying to get off of Balaam because i got to get to Ashtaroth. The Bible said they put away Balaam. It's time we put away wicked clothes, wicked ideas, wicked actions, wicked movies, wicked everything. Let's clean up. Let's have revival. Let's put the enemy on the run. Hallelujah to God. Oh yes. Now look in verse 4. They put away Balaam. That's a sexual culture. A sexual revolution, sensuality and ungodliness and all types of fornication, adultery and pornography. But notice, do you see the other thing they put aside? They put away? Ashtaroth. Now Ashtaroth was a male demon who was named after a woman. (laughs) You'll get that after a while. He's a male demon named after a woman. This is what we call the trans culture. Transsexual. If you think, friend, God is in this, taking little school children and telling them they may not really be a boy or they may not really be a girl, there's something wrong, bad in a culture that's teaching they can change their identity and to change their gender. You see, when I was born, they named me Don. And I was a little baby boy. I've been a boy all my life. Every bit of my life, I've been a boy. And I'm not ashamed of that. You know, I read something the other day that kind of shook me, Brother Reed. You... We, we all know Chuck Norris. You know, he's supposed to be a Christian. He's a fighting machine. Man, he could whip a hundred men. But I heard Chuck Norris. I read this. He said, well, folks, just to be honest, I too used to live in a woman's body. And I thought, not you, Chuck. Come on. 
Not you, Chuck. Man, you've been the fighting machine for years. But that wasn't the end of his statement. He said, I too used to live in a woman's body, but then I was born. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah to God. Drag queens reading stories to little school children promoting the transgender culture. It's wicked and ungodly. I never would have dreamed that we would live in a culture who didn't know what bathroom to go to. I'm telling you, we're in bad shape. I never would have dreamed that professional athletes and college athletes could switch into the other gender and identify as the other sex so that they could easily win the competition. Friend, it's ungodly. It's wicked. Somebody's got to preach about this. Somebody's got to say something about this. You might not think we need to hear this, but there's young people growing up in a school system that have been brainwashed that everything I'm preaching against is normal and okay but it's not normal it's not okay and God is not pleased with this transgender culture hallelujah amen we got to have some preaching preaching against brother Dwayne preaching against perversion and sodomy Do you understand the kids that's growing up in the government school system are coming up in a school system that has absolutely no conscience about perversion? None. Zero. If anybody is out of step, it's the young person who believes what's right. And I'm going to tell you something, parents and young people alike. We better sound the alarm about this sodomy. It's never been the will of God for a boy to date a boy. Never. I said never. It's wicked. It's perverted. It's ungodly. It's unseemly. It's unnatural. Amen. Amen. It'll never be right for two girls to date. Amen. It'll never be right When God made man, He made man in His own image. He saw it was not good that the man should be alone. So He made a helpmeet for him. He didn't make Steve to accompany Adam. He made Eve. Did you hear me? It was Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. Say amen. There's something wrong with a man anyway that's attracted to another man. There's something wrong with a woman anyway that's attracted to another woman. That's our culture. The culture's got strong. We've been defeated. The devil's about beat our brains out. But I say it's time let's get back to put the enemy on the run and not let that gang of perverts dictate to us what ought to be. Hallelujah. Woo! Some of you turned me off with Kentucky Fried Chicken a while ago. God help us. I'm here to tell you this evening, friends. We need preaching. A public crier. A herald. One who tells the news. He's not responsible for what the news says. 
but he's responsible to deliver the news. I didn't write this book. I didn't say they put away Ashtaroth. I didn't say they put away Balaam. But God said they did. So that's my job to tell you what God said. And by the way, I'm not telling you what Don Anderson's opinion is. I'm telling you what thus saith the Lord. If we're going to put the enemy on the run, there's got to be some people lamenting and we got to have some preachers preaching. Ask the pastors here tonight if there ever goes a long period of time in their ministry that there's not some temptation or some call to compromise preaching this book. I'm going to tell you, man, don't matter what nobody says. It don't matter if some long-tongued Jezebel don't like it. It, whoops, amen. It don't matter if some smooth-talking man don't like it. You preach what thus saith the Lord and let God do the work. You say people won't like it. He didn't call you to be liked. He didn't call me to be liked. This is not Facebook. Hit the like button. Brother, this is preaching the Word of God. I can't help if you like me or not. I want you to like me, but if you don't, I'd much rather hear well done from God than well done from a bunch of carnal church members that know nothing about God. Woo! Man, I'm just getting in part two. Hey man, y'all like his preaching or not? I don't know if we're digging a hole deeper or raising the bar higher. That last part of verse four is the key. The Bible says, when they put away Balaam, gods of sexuality, when they put away Ashtaroth, that's gods of gender change. They serve the Lord only. That's who I'm serving. That's who I'm going to answer to. That's who's taking care of me. That's who's feeding me. I've had people say, we'll cut you off. You can't cut me off from God. Hallelujah. And don't you let the devil tell you you're going to get cut off. You put the Lord first. You keep the Lord supreme. Keep the Lord out front. Are there some people here tonight that's tired of being chased by the enemy? You're tired of being whipped by the enemy? You're tired of being beat up and beat down by the enemy? Well, if we'll get some people lamenting, and we can just get some preachers preaching, getting the people's hearts back to God, then we'll see the enemy put on the run. How many in this room as we stand with